to another edition of the Friday Film Feature here on Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway? A Blind Life Perspective. And on the Friday Film Feature, you get to hear about my blind perspective on movies and television shows and various other entertainment thing, uh, issues and, and stuff. So um, thanks for joining me. Uh, remember... Oh, Christ. Sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. Um, what the hell? Uh, sorry. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, life is not without its phone calls. So remember, if you like what you hear or, or, well, if you feel somebody can use the uh, information I put out in this uh, show, definitely like and share it. And definitely subscribe if you want to hear more from us and uh, get notified, especially when you hit that notification bell. Uh, same with on Facebook. If you want to follow us on Facebook and like it and uh, make sure you hit the notification icon so you know when we go live. Also, uh, we're on podcasts everywhere, you know, whether it be Apple or Google, uh, Anchor, Spotify, of course. And, uh, you know, if you want a copy of the video or audio for this uh, show, by all means, hit me up at whoseblindlifeisitanyway at gmail.com and I can get you a Dropbox folder link with the video and audio of these shows. So I, I, I touched briefly on the subject of this week's show on last week's, well, last, the last show. Uh, because on the last show, I spoke about comedies. Uh, those being television comedies and movie comedies. And I spoke about how disappointed I was with the fact that Parody movies such as Airplane, such as the Naked Gun movies, of course. And, of course, my favorite of all time, the Mel Brooks movies, aren't described really well for us blind folks. Now, that's not to say they aren't described at all. I mean, there are some movies that are described. Um, but the really good ones, such as History of the World Part 1, uh, Young Frankenstein, and one of his most more popular movies, Blazing Saddles, had all kinds of sight gags that people just... I don't know, it's like... Uh, 
I mean, right now the only the only country that I know that's described these movies are England. And I guess I don't know, maybe they don't see the comedy in the sight gags that we do. I don't know. I honestly can't say. Um I've always thought Blazing Saddles was hilarious. And I've been dying to look out for a, a described version of History of the World Part 1. Even though I could almost recite the movie, well, piece by piece, essentially. But um, another one is Young Frankenstein. I mean, there were all kinds of psych eggs in that one. Um mostly parodying, you know, Bram Stoker and and the Boris Karloff movies of the old era. But, I mean, even to wit, I mean, the movie was done in black and white, even though color was variously, variably available at the time. Uh, that movie in particular was done in black and white. Of course, there were other movies uh maybe just as popular but i don't think they had the same comedy stylings as his classic movies like blazing saddles and young frankenstein those being of course spaceballs which he parodied star wars and the empire strikes back um robin hood men in tights which he parodied the Kevin Costner adaptation of Robin Hood, which ironically was one of the stupidest movies I've ever seen. Although there was, you know, there was a section in that movie that made, well, never mind, I won't talk about that. Anyway, um, I mean, those, those types of things are hilarious. Airplane, for example, although it wasn't a Mel Brooks type of movie, was a parody on the airport movies of the 70s. Having said that, there were all kinds of sight gags in that one that you had to watch. And if you hadn't seen any of those serious movies like Airport and or... Um, the well star wars the um robin hood movie the kevin costner movies you probably wouldn't understand them you wouldn't understand these psychics they were funny yes but you had to watch the originals in order to get the references and a lot of that happened with a lot of comedies. I have been. I have said. As in, as I said in my last. Uh, show on this topic. That. Comedies like Friends. Comedies like. The Big Bang Theory. Have managed to. Not need. Any references. Sorry, that is to say, they don't 
spoof or parody any former uh, shows or anything like that. They are their own comedies. And, I mean, Mel Brooks just wasn't like that. I mean, first and foremost, he was born Melvin Kaminsky in the 1920s. And uh, he actually changed his last name to Brooks based on his mother's maiden name, which was Brooksman. Or Brookman. Yeah, Brookman, sorry. And um, in World War II, he actually did a stint in the army defusing bombs and landmines from, from, well, Germany down to Africa. I mean, it had to give him a unique perspective on life. It had to. So much so that he included Nazis in almost every one of his movies. However, he didn't portray them as mean or tyrannical or anything like that. He portrayed them as bumbling idiots who didn't know what they were doing. I mean, right up until even in Blazing Saddles, which was supposedly set in the 1800s, we had Nazis in there too. So you kind of have to wonder, I mean, how much did the Nazis affect him? He never did any Jewish persecutions, or at least parodies of it. I guess he had his reason, mostly because he was Jewish. Uh, but saying that, he did have one, one section in History of the World Part 1 where he actually portrayed Jews as being tortured in the, the, um, well, what's it called? Oh, crap. Um, it was called, it was a section on the, um, the Inquisition, that's it. It was on the Inquisition of the of the 14th century or 15th century, and basically it was, you know, Catholic and Christian friars torturing the the well torturing Jews, um, and he wasn't actually sure how that would go. I mean, that entire set cost a million dollars to create and here he was sinking a million dollars into this scene and yet he wasn't sure how it would go well needless to say it worked out he got all kinds of of letters from rabbis saying how great it was and how funny they thought it was and stuff like that i mean he actually for blazing saddles he actually approached uh, John Wayne to be in the movie but John Wayne said I can't be in this movie because it's too silly but I'll be the first one to be in line to watch it so if you garnered the respect of John Wayne that had to say something 
Now, you might be thinking, well, why does that say something? Because he was one of the he was one of the people to actually win what is called the Egon tri trifecta. That being an Emmy, a glo um, Golden Globe, and an Oscar for the same movie. Of course, he also won a Tony Award for that same movie. In other words, the producers. Now, I never thought that was a very funny movie. I mean, I understand it was an allegory. And I just never thought it was that good of a movie. I never thought it was that funny. And I think that's... Is that indicative of what, I mean, considering the producers was such one of his bigger hits, I mean, one has to wonder, what's wrong with me? <laughs> I mean, I know I wonder that, for Christ's sake. But, um, I mean, he had a lot of stars that he featured in his movies on a regular basis. For one, Harvey Corman. You may remember Harvey Corman from the Carol Burnett show. Um, he was a master at uh, well, what's what's the word? Ad libbing. That's it. Improvisation. He was a master of it. And in fact, one of the shows that. Mel Brooks actually did along with Carl Reiner of Dick Van Dyke and uh, uh, what was the name of that show? Well, Carl Reiner did a lot of things, but well, the one with Archie Bunker, you know what I'm talking about. All in the family. That's it. So, I mean, he actually did a show with uh, that was written and produced by both him and Carl Reiner. And it was called The 2,000-Year-Old Man, about a man who witnessed the crucifixion of Christ and had so many wives and so many children, and they never came to see him. Now, all of this was based on on something that Carl Reiner used to do with Mel Brooks at various parties where he would essentially give Mel Brooks some sort of role to play and Mel Brooks would essentially ad-lib it for the whole party. So they would, they would just sit there and ad-lib this stuff out of nowhere. And... Like I said, Mel Brooks is a talent that I can honestly say I hope he lives forever. <laughs> He's a great man. He was married twice. Uh, first until 1962 and then in 19, I believe, 65, he married Dan Bancroft. And they had one child together, uh, Max Brooks. 
who wrote the uh, the book uh, World War Z, based on the zombie apocalypse, and um, that was made into a movie starring Brad Pitt. So, I mean, obviously his children had talent. <laughs> he also had three other children with his previous marriage. Um, I don't know if they had any talent, but I haven't heard of them. So, uh, I mean, you have to admire a man who can make you laugh while making serious points. For example, up until that point, black men were never starred in westerns. And the word nigger was never star was never placed in movies or TV. But he was told by Richard Pryor and Cleavon Little, the star of the movie, both of who are black, that if he didn't put the word nigger in his movies, it wouldn't be authentic. So that was an allegory on the state of racism in those days. And later on, he came out with the history of the world part one. Now the history of the world part one was more of a sketch movie as opposed to a single movie with one large plot. It featured Orson Welles as the narrator. And throughout the movie, you see different periods in human history. Uh, the first was the very first scene where men were turned into Homo erectus in the Stone Age. And, well, to parody Homo erectus, he had them all masturbating on screen. I mean, you couldn't actually see any parts there, but they were essentially masturbating. And you had to tell it was masturbating. Followed by, of course, the Stone Age, where they created fire, they came up with singing, they came up with... <laughs> they came up with, uh, with um, the wheel. <laughs> and, of course... Mel Brooks didn't want to just jump from the Stone Age to the French Revolution or the Romans, Roman Empire like that. So he wanted to do something else in between that. And, and that something else happened to use the same set as the Stone Age set, which was... Moses and the Ten Commandments. Which, according to that scene, it was Moses and the Fifteen Commandments, but he dropped a tablet, and then it became Moses and the Ten Commandments. 
suffice it to say, this stuff is funny. <laughs> I mean, if you, <laughs> you can't, I mean, you go from Moses and the Ten Commandments to the Roman Empire, and you get different psych gags there. You get a woman who actually uh, B. Arthur from the Golden Girls and uh, uh, Maud uh, playing a um, an employee at the Department of at the State Department interviewing him for a job. Uh, well, not a job, but essentially for assistance. And she does this so easily and so great. I mean, it's funny just watching it. But the Roman Empire is actually one of the longer uh, sketches in the movie. Um, of course, after the Roman Empire, we jump into the French Revolution. And then from the French Revolution, we jump into the Inquisition. And like I said, the Inquisition was interesting. Along with a, well, uh, uh, a swimming, well, uh, a fantastic song feature. Um, and it went, the Inquisition, what a show. And, <laughs> and like I said, all of this stuff... I mean, all of this stuff was written and produced by Mel Brooks. Now, Mel Brooks didn't actually know anything about music. He played the drums because he was taught to play the drums. But that's all. He would basically hum the tunes into a tape recorder and he would pass them on to another musician to transcribe it. And he would write the words, the lyrics. And he actually won a Grammy Award for Best Original Song for Blazing Saddles. That, that song, Blazing Saddles, was actually sung by Frankie Lane. But... Mel Brooks was the original author and composer of that song. So, I mean, this man has various talent. And it doesn't even have to be. He's not a professional by any sort of the imagination, except for serious shit, like in the army. Diffusing bombs and landmines? I mean, come on. Jesus but, um, I mean, he must have had an interesting life, and I would give anything to interview him today, uh, or any day, <laughs> for that matter. I mean, just getting his perspective on things is amazing. Um, but again, you know, there's other movies, such as High Anxiety, where he essentially parodies Alfred Hitchcock movies. Uh, there were little known successes in terms of 
to be or not to be. Uh, there was others like, uh, I believe it's called Life Stinks. And even though Life Stinks, critics were, were quoted as saying the movie stunk. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, he's had successes upon losses, upon successes. I mean, in Blazing Saddles, he had the final cut of the movie and he got a list from the Warner Brothers executives on what he should change and remove and, and, and stuff like that. And he took that list, his that list that was given to him, he thanked them and essentially walked off and threw the list in the garbage. He knew that such things wouldn't make the show funnier. The fact is, he screened the movies for the Warner Brothers executives, and nobody left. Which is really hard to do, because that movie is hilarious. Having said that, they did end up playing it to about 250 people, and they all screened screamed in laughter. So then Warner Brothers said, well, we can't turn out a hit like this. We can't turn down a hit like this, rather. And they ended up giving it a worldwide release. They, even after a while, in 70, uh, not 75, sorry, uh, a, late, a little later on, they actually released it because they had no hits to feature in, in one particular summer, so they re-released it and, uh, you know, got a whole bunch of money on it, too. So that's saying a lot. But, um, I mean, if you can, definitely go check out a Mel, Brooks, a Mel Brooks movie. Whether it be High Anxiety or Young Frankenstein, both of which are described. Of course, The Producers is described. The, the more recent one starring Nathan Lane and uh, Matthew Broderick. Um, and of course, there's some others like Spaceballs, I think, was just released with description. And uh, Robin Hood, Men in Tights. And again, you know, these, while the description is, I don't think, is up to par because they don't accurately describe the sight gags. They are funny. There are some actual jokes that you can find funny. If not the sight gags, then definitely the jokes. If you have some sight, I guarantee you, you'll enjoy each and every one of those movies. Um, of particular note, Blazing Saddles. Nowhere will you find a more authentic parody of racism 
Bible thumpers and white people that I don't think you'll find anywhere more funnier than that. So definitely go check them out. Uh, just type in Google, you know, Mel Brooks theatrical releases, and you'll get a whole list of them. There's even a list from the worst to the greatest. I know that three of his movies have hit the um, Library of Congress uh, best films, that being Young Frankenstein, uh, Blazing Saddles, and I think Spaceball. I think. I'm not exactly sure. Um, of course, Spaceballs starred my my idol, John Candy. Um, I loved him to death. Uh, of course, it also starred Bill Pullman and Daphne Zuniga, along with Joan Rivers. And Rick Moranis, as well as Dick Van Patten. And Mel Brooks had a dual role in there, uh, one being Emperor Scrooge, which was Brooks, spelled backwards, and, of course, Yogurt, which was a parody on Yoda. Um, so it's like, I mean, some of these movies are just, Amazing. So definitely go check them out. Go check it out. And uh, I believe some of them are available on Netflix and on other streaming services. Um, or, you know, just do a search on your cable box for uh, Mel Brooks. And they'll pop up a whole list of movies that are playing right now on on your standard tv um and have fun with it i mean just enjoy them for what they are which is meaningless laughter sure you can look at it as having a moral compass of some sort but at the end of the day it is just comedy and comedy is there to be enjoyed and no one enjoys it more than Mel Brooks so guys go check him out uh, let me see if there's any comments here Oh, hi, Anthony. Thanks for coming. Um, hope you like what you're hearing. So, um, yeah. So, like I said, if you can, definitely go stop by uh, or at your library. Go ask them for a copy of a Mel Brooks movie. Uh, they're sure to have at least one, if not all three of the ones that made the Library of Congress movies. Um but if not, like I said, check out your television. There's got to be a Mel Brooks movie hiding somewhere in there. 
whether it's a new one or an old one. So, um, thanks for joining me on this week's Friday film feature. Tune in next week for when we have another episode of the Friday film feature where you get to hear about my blind perspective on movies and television shows and entertainment. Uh, don't forget to catch The Blind View later on on Becca's World at uh, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Uh, I might be there or I might not. I'm not sure. I have an appointment this afternoon. So, yeah, make sure to catch it. Okay? Uh, I would have put Becca's World in the description box, but I kind of forgot. Uh so yeah, definitely check out Becca's World and The Blind View. Uh I'm supposed to be there every week. I'm not sure if I'll be there this week, but like I said, I'll I'll try. And uh we'll see you guys again next week. Bye-bye everybody. <laughs>